Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, it's an appropriate time then off the back of that to talk about what makes up Christian community. Uh, what makes up the church? Because I've been wrestling with this concept as to, as to what church means. Because whenever you go back and you read all the old scriptures and you study that word church, um, church doesn't have the connotations that many people have with church these days. Church, the Greek word for church was basically ekklesia, the gathering of God's people. It was as simple as that, the gathering of God's people. And so I've been wrestling with all of that uh, because certainly, you know, being away on long service leave the back end of last year and, and seeing a couple of different churches as I went around the place, you know, I came to this conclusion that, you know what, a lot of churches, are, we're just weird. Okay, can we just call it out? <laughs> We're just weird, you know, like I love, I love worshipping, we've said this before, you know, when most of us worship, it looks like we're holding a watermelon with our eyes closed, you know, it's just, it's just weird when you look in on it, and, and yet, uh, we, yet we, still, we still gather, there's a place for gathering in all of that. Uh, I'm, I'm also wrestling with that as a pastor as well, because uh, it feels like that we're living in more and more of a non-gathering world, have you noticed this? I, every, there's Netflix on demand, there's content on demand. There's Skype. Uh, there's there's all sorts of things that you could like. Why why couldn't we just why couldn't we just do church in the comfort of a blanket, on our lounge in our slippers? Just have like Sam record the message during the week, and we just we just deploy it. You know, just the content out. And, and I'm thinking, you know, couldn't couldn't that be church? <laughs> and I don't think it I don't think it would work for for a couple of reasons. The first one is this. I don't recall anywhere in the scriptures that you see Jesus sitting down with his disciples and like at the Last Supper and he pulls something out of the pocket of his dress or whatever he wore back then. And I didn't see this story where he pulls out and the disciples say to him, what is that, Lord? And he says, thus, it's a USB. (sighs) Boys, I want you to hold on to this. Go and bury it in a clay pot in, in the Qumran caves for 2,000 years and then hopefully a modern day person will break open the jars and they'll find this USB and inside it is all of my best sayings that they will be able to download on these things called computers and attach to these things called memes that will go out around the world of all these great statements that I will make and that people can feel like they're really growing up and following me. Amen? <laughs> We have to understand, Jesus didn't leave a USB. He didn't leave a book. Jesus left a community. And whenever God calls you, he calls you into community, community, to ecclesia, and then later on we call it church. And part of the, the, the problem with church is that it's got all sorts of different names for it and misconceptions for church. And we work so hard as a church to, to get over those misconceptions. We have since day one with Pastor Jay Basick. Uh, we're, we're that sort of church that wants to be relevant and engaging and real and authentic. That's part of the scriptures here. But here's the other problem with community. Have you noticed this? It just takes time and effort. Community is so difficult to do. It's so difficult not only to do, but to hold together. And Paul gets this, verse number one of Romans chapter uh, 12 that we didn't read from, but, but he sets the whole thing up. He says, if you're going to do this, then you need to understand this paradigm. And he says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So he says, this, this community, it's a living sacrifice. And here's what he means by that. In the Greek, it's literally a living killing. <laughs> you are going to have to give up things, your time, your money, your ego. 
in order to do this thing well. But the beauty of it is if we do it well, then life grows here, right? And haven't we seen the amazing transformations over the years where people who have wanted nothing to do with God have come to know God. People who were broken and hurting and going through divorce came to found love and hope and healing in this place and a rich relationship with Jesus. We see story after story after story of transformation that says that you can't do this virtually. Something has to happen amongst us dynamically, mysteriously. And have you ever stopped to pause for a second to think that this is a miracle that we are all sitting here this morning? Do you ever stop to do that each Sunday? I'll tell you why, because like, there are so many other things you could be doing right now at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Like, you could be brunching. You could have smashed avocado on toast. <laughs> you know, for some of you, realistically, and I see Pat Jones is with us again this morning, you know, the amount of effort that it takes some of you with the health ailments that you have at the moment, it is a miracle that we gather together physically like this. And the beauty and the richness of it is when, when, when we do, then we become what God calls us to be. Uh, people who are sacrificing for a greater cause. Now, here's the challenge. That flies in the face of our culture these days, right? And there is no greater example of the way that that happens than from these two pictures here. Have you guys ever seen the, the posters from the First and Second World War? This sums up the generational shift that's happened in our society since World War I, World War II and today. The first poster there, Australians, your country needs you. How did they recruit back then? Your country needs you. you know, how does the army recruit these days? 2020, challenge yourself. <laughs> you see the difference? I think we're now living in a generation and an era when no one lives for a cause higher than themselves, right? It's all about my own self-actualization and my individual needs. And you know, back in World War II, like my grandmother, I think I've told you, my grandmother was in the WAF. She peeled, she peeled potatoes eight to 10 hours a day in cold Melbourne under a blanket seven days a week. And I said to her, Grandma, why would you do something like that? And she said, you know what? I did it for the empire. <laughs> I said, you know Darth Vader? <laughs> My generation at least, right, B52s, like we, we, don't want, we don't know what it means to live for a cause higher than itself. And there can be no greater cause than to live for a community that is desperately trying to bring hope and love and healing and beauty and wonder into the world in the name of Jesus. That's who he's called us to be. You didn't just turn up to church today, did you? Now, here's the point. If individual society, this individualistic nature has rubbed off on the army over the last 60 to 80 years, don't you think that culture could be rubbing off on the church? And that's where we get, you know, we could say in here, church, challenge yourself. <laughs> and I think that's how a lot of people approach Christianity. You know what, if, oh, look, I'm up for following Jesus. If he could sort of help me with my self-actualization and with my career and what, what I'm doing in life and if it could help my progress, I'm up, I'm up for it. There's no higher cause in all of that. And so that's why it's so important that we come back and we understand what I want to talk about this morning is that to be a community, each of us needs all of us. In order to be the person that God has designed you to be, whether you're a Christian or not, one of the great promises that you'll see from this passage is that in order to be the person that God has created you to be, each of us individually needs corporate community. And the first reason is this, that each of us need all of us in order to guide us 
to be guided. Romans 12 verse 9, love must be sincere. Literally means love must be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, do, cling to what is good. Now, when I, when I hear that statement, I think that's probably a passage that the average Sydney sider, Christian or not yet Christian, will go, yeah, I, I think that's what the church should be about. Love should be without hypocrites and they're good people, right? What a, what a great verse. But here's the challenge I have with that verse. If we're going to do Christianity by ourselves, you know, if we're going to do the sort of Christianity where people say, my religion's personal, my relationship with God's personal, I'm just going to have my Bible and a rock and a journal, that's all I need. Like, if you do that, then how, how do you know the difference between good and evil? How do you know the difference between good or bad? Because at a practical level for me, I, my, my emotions are conflicted each and every day. You know, I want to get fit this year, but I love ice cream. <laughs> I'm constantly conflicted. I can't have both. And it's only, it's only until you move into community, otherwise known as marriage, where your wife says, do you really need that second scoop? <laughs> right? That you begin to change for real. And that's because real transformation can't happen apart from community. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> real transformation can't happen unless there are people speaking into your life, people who are, you're accountable, that you're holding yourself accountable to. A way to describe this principle is um, the story of Odysseus. In, uh, in, in that great Greek story, Odysseus wanted to sail past the island of the sirens, uh, but anyone who heard the sirens would literally go nuts and mad in order to head towards them. And so he knew that if he heard the sirens, uh, then he would steer his ship with all of his men towards the island and he would be dashed against the rocks and they would all die. And so here's what he did. He was so desperate to hear the sirens that he said to his men, you know what, strap me to the mast. <laughs> strap me to the mast. And he said, I'm going to put wax in your ears. Puts wax in all of their ears and he says, set the course, go past the island. I want to hear them, but strap me to the mast. Now, it's a wonderful principle because, look, haven't you found throughout life there will inevitably come some point in which you stray? There's inevitably going to be some point where you get distracted by someone or something that is going to dash you against the rocks, dash you against the rocks financially, dash you against the rocks relationally. Some of you have been there. That's why you're in church. You've been there. You've felt the pain of all of that. And so the, the principle is this. Is there someone or a bunch of people in your life to whom you've deputized and you've authorized and said, you know what, strap me to the mast because you know what, I'm, I'm, in, I'm headed into this relationship and I think they're cute. And I think, I think they're amazing, but I don't know if they're right for me and I could do some pretty crazy stuff. Call me out on it. You know, strap, strap me to the mast. I'm, I'm no good with my money. Will you just help me with all of this? Is there someone like that in your life? Now, I'll give you a classic example of someone who hasn't done that. I think I've used his example before and he's perfect because he's still doing it. Some, someone who hasn't strapped himself to the mast and yet still manages to be pretty reasonable at what he does. And um, that's our good friend Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> you know, Nick, Nick Kyrgios, no accountability in his life. Get this, this is what his coach said three, three years ago now. Josh Eagle said, the time has come, in my opinion, where he does need a bit more stability from a coaching setup. Because if you didn't know, Kyrgios doesn't have a coach where he's, he's going on the court and just working on his game. That can be as simple as 15 minutes a day. Imagine if Nick Kyrgios worked on his tennis game 15 minutes a day. It sounds crazy, but that's not actually happening and he's still number 13 in the world. <laughs> a, a, a guy of immense talent, of an immense potential, and he says, I don't need anyone in my life telling me what to do. 
And so can I push you and suggest to you that, that Nick's story is our story when it comes to community? You know, that, that for, for you and I, if my life's anything to go by, like I'm throwing rackets all over the court all the time. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, you know, the, the, thing, the thing that sort of stops me from throwing rackets all over the court is that I'm in front of a whole bunch of people that watch me on the court. You know? <laughs> but that's just an external behaviour modification. Can I suggest that for, for all of us, we need people into our lives to call us out. We can't trust ourselves. We, we need community to guide us. Each of us needs all of us to guide us. Here's the second thing. Each of us needs all of us to see ourselves, truly see ourselves. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. And then I think Hebrews 3, 13, 12, 13 does a better job at exposing the principle, expounding the principle of what this says. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Underline this, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so what that passage is saying there is that there's sin is self-interest, remember, not good deeds versus bad deeds. Sin is, our self-interest blinds us to who we truly are. We, we can't see ourselves apart from community. And you say, well, yeah, I can. Saw myself in the mirror this morning. Thought it was a fine specimen. It was all good. <laughs> I had an example the other day. I went to Jamboree with a few mates and we're all sharing photos around after Jamboree. Um, there's this shot of me and like my guts are hanging out of my shirt like this. And I'm thinking, that can't be me. Like I'm doing too much. I'm not, I'm not eating the ice cream this year. That can't be me. I don't look like that. Have you ever found that? You see a photo of yourself and it can't possibly be me. Someone's photoshopped that. Right? Um, why are photos like that? Because photos see you for who you really are. In mirror, you're just seeing an untrue reflection of yourself. Or what about the other way? Um, anyone ever heard themselves played back on a digital recording? Put your hand up if you like hearing yourself. <laughs> That's a scientific principle. It's why I don't listen to my own podcasts. I hate it. <laughs> Because I hear it and I go, I don't sound like that. People are like, ah, oh, yes, you do. That's because we're always hearing ourselves from inside ourselves. Okay, so we've, we've, got, we've got photos for the visuals and we've got digital recorders for our voice. What is it that allows us to truly see our character? And can I suggest to you that Christian community, Christian community is a mirror for your character. When, uh, until you move into community, until you move into people who see you for who you are, people who see you when you don't have the opportunity to keep pretending. <laughs> That's the hypocrisy bit when Paul said love must be sincere. In other words, only until you move close enough and intimate enough and, and enough time in relationships where people catch you just being you. Then and only then can you truly see yourself. And this is not just a church principle. Like you see corporations spend billions of dollars a year around the world doing this. They don't call it community. They call it 360 reviews. And they know that in order for employees to be the best employee they can be, they need other people feeding back to them what they really see. In other words, until you get into community, you can't fully see between the shoulder blades of your soul. And only until you get people around you that are willing to, you willing to be accountable to them, but then they, in love, being able to speak that truth to you, can you truly see who you are. I do this with my mate Mike. You guys might know that. My mate Mike McQueen, he, he and I have got this phrase. He's got permission to say to, me, say to me, Sam, I know that you would want to know this. 
And here's, here's his, that, that great phrase. Here, hey, mate, I'm, ab- I'm about to show you something that's between the shoulder blades of your soul, of your character. Have you got people like that in your life? Are you close enough to people like that in your life? How do you find them? Where do you find them? Like, do they need to be a psychologist, a counsellor? What sort of qualifications do they need to have? Here you go. Re- get ready to write this down. You ready for their qualification? They're not you. Just find someone, one, two, three, in Christian community who help answer the question, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Then you're on the way to truly seeing yourself. And here's the last one. Each of us need all of us, not just to be guided and not just to see ourselves, but each of us need all of us in order to truly see and know God. We'll look at this text next week, but listen to Romans 12, verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. What it's saying is in all of our distinctive patterns here, the way that we think, the way that we fight with each other, the way that we wrestle with each other, is the very way that we truly begin to discover the fullness of God. In other words, you you cannot come to know a God who is an us as a me. I'll say that again. You can't come to know a God who is an us, God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, right? You can't know, you can't know a, a, a three-person community of God as an individual. Only in community can you fully come to know him. And, and there's a famous part in C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, that that wonderfully and profoundly explains this, where he talks about the loss of a friend in a group of three that he was a part of. And they all met together and, 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 and one of them passed away. And here's what he wrote. And each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole person into activity. I want other lights other than my own to show all of their facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Caroline joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. We possess each friend not less, but more as the number of those with whom we share increases. Do you catch that? This is profound. When Charles died, I thought I would have had more of Ronald, but I actually had less. In each friend added, there is something only the other can bring out. And I suggest to you, if you've been blessed enough to be married, you see how this principle works in real life. I saw this with Kristen and I when Zach, our little son, was born. Like, I thought I knew Kristen. I thought I knew 100% of Kristen. It had been a couple of years by that part. I thought I knew all of her. And only until he was born did I see suddenly this thing emerge out of her called motherhood. And then Zachy was born and then Adele was born and we thought we knew 100% of Zach and then Adele was born and we saw the way that he got alongside her and looked after her and held her hand and loved her. And so suddenly, you know, the addition of these two other little things into our family, it didn't mean that we had less family, we had more. And so here's the principle. If it's true of our human relationships, don't you think it could also be true of the personal God? That as we gather together in community, only in community can we fully know him because an individual is insufficient to draw the whole person into activity, to draw God into activity. So we, we, can't, we can't be guided apart from community. We can't see ourselves apart from community. You can't know God in his fullness apart from community. And so really it just leaves you with this challenge this morning. This is your wrestle. Community takes time. 
and it, 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 takes, it takes effort. How do we do this as Christians? We're to honour one another, accept one another, bear one another, forgive one another, confess sins to one another, cheer and challenge one another, admonish one another, confront one another, teach one another, stop gossiping and slanding, stop being fake with each other, bear burdens, share possessions and submit to each other. There we go. Just, just do that this week. Just do all of that. Hey, what if I said to you that this week and this year there is a place in which all of that eventually just flows naturally? And there is, and it's really simple. And we talk about them every single week to the point that some of you are going, do we seriously have to have that slide again? <laughs> where, do you, where do you do this? In community group. Where else do you get with, together with people that, let's be real, just downright annoy you from time to time? Where else do you learn to bear one another's burdens? Where else do you learn in order to be humble and not think yourself superior to one another? In this beautiful thing called the church, super connect on Wednesday night, we're there. And there's like 17 of us in the room. There's like 75 year olds. There's 23 year olds. There's people who think they look pretty cool. There's people who'd call themselves nerdy. Like there's all sorts of stereotypes within that room. And I turned to them and I said, look around guys, this is a miracle. Look around. We absolutely hand on heart could say when we looked around the room that there is no way that we would all be hanging together right now, 7.30 on a Wednesday night, if it weren't for the power of Jesus. That's community. And when the world sees that, they go, that's a beautiful... They get along? How the heck do they get along? <laughs> Something must be happening. And when the watching world sees that, then they begin to see the church, ecclesia, gathering for all it is. But here's the wrestle. Here's the wrestle. You are a person with immense talent. You are a person with immense potential. Ephesians 2 says that you are God's workmanship, his poema, his artwork. God has gifted you and made you to minister in ways that only you can minister. C.S. Lewis said, there are no mere mortals that all of us, if we saw our true selves at the mirror, would be at risk of falling down and worshipping ourselves. All of that resides within us. But the only way that we get there is by being grown in community. And the wrestle for us is it, it's going to cost you. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you money. Cost you a bit of ego. But last time I checked, that's the only way to happen. And in my life, it's the only way that truly God has changed me because of the people in this place that we wrestled with, tussled with. And so as we finish this morning, I want to, I want to leave with this. Look, on one hand, I know I speak to some people this morning that... Another big barrier for us is just what I heard someone call the scandal of particularity. You know? And this is, this is what it looks like as a pastor as we finish this morning. It's people, they come to a Christian community, they come to church and they go, hey, yeah, look, I really love your church. It's got a great community, but I just wish it had this theology. I really, I really love the theology of the church, but I just wish it had this music. I really love your church, but I wish it made a position or a statement about this. I really love your church, but you didn't make a statement about this. Right? They're always butting it up, up against the scandal of particularity. No one church will absolutely fill every single aspect of your needs and preferences. And here's why. Let me ask you the question. Could it be that maybe, just maybe, some of the preferences that you want in a church and that you dislike about a particular church are the very things that God wants to work on in you? And only when we submit to a community that's not perfect... We're not perfect as a church. But only when we submit to that higher cause, the empire, the kingdom, do we become the sort of people that are truly open to change and having these preferences and ways of doing things rubbed off us. That's the one thing. But um, 
I'll finish with this this morning. And this, this I think, um, summed it all up. And I'll go a bit off script this morning because it's here in your family. And this sums it up so well. You know, Paul says, love must be sincere. And he paints this amazing picture of community. And last year, um, last year I, I had a perfect example of the way in which our church had fulfilled everything that we've just talked about for the last 20 or something minutes. And, um, and I had a chat with someone, and they're here, and I don't want to overly embarrass them, but I want to thank them for their ministry to me and all of this. I was getting my car serviced up at Mazda up the road, got into a, got into a van, and we all got chatting in the car and sitting next to this lady in the car, and within like the five-minute ride that we're going from our Tarman down to here, we all get, get onto what you do, and like for the first time, ever in a public situation like that. You'd know this because I talked about it last week where I try and hide these sorts of things. They said, oh, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And they said, oh, really? You know, what church? And I said, uh, oh, Northside Church down in Crowsness. They said, I know that church. That's my mum's church. It's my mum's church. You know, I, I, you know and she, she said something to the effect of like, you know, it's, it's sort of kind of not, not, my, not my thing, but, you know, when mum found that church and the love and the warmth and the accept, acceptance and the support that she found when she went to that church, you know what, if, uh, if, if church is, you know, is like that, then, then I think there's a future for it. And I said, who was your mum? And she said, um, Jenny Lane. And... Um, <laughs> Hi again. <laughs> Welcome to my church. <laughs> Outchard. <laughs> thank you for the way that you ministered to me. But um, thank you for allowing me to embarrass you briefly to minister to these guys. Because Paul says in the scriptures, you know, nothing else matters in church but faith expressing itself through love. And there are a whole bunch of people out here that loved your mum so deeply. And a whole bunch of people out here who just did church the way that it's supposed to be done. And it's a great reminder for each and every one of us beyond the theology and beyond the words and all of this. Love must be sincere without hypocrisy. Nothing else matters until we wrestle this thing out in love for one another. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, I thank you. I thank you that uh, all that we've been talking about this morning already exists in this place. But Father, it's our heart and it's our desire to want to be able to do it better and to love each other better and to let go of ourselves and our own preferences better uh, for the sake of following you and for the sake of showing the watching world what the church can be. And so I commit each and every one of us to you and all of our imperfection, our brokenness, present this church as a corporate body and all of the things that we could or might be doing better, Father. I thank you for the things that really matter, that there is a bunch of people in this place that really get it. Each of us need all of us, and each of us need you, Heavenly Father. So I pray by your Spirit you would continue to grow this precious place that is Northside into the church that you have designed it to be. And we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au or download our app today.